With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's going on? This is the Talking Texas Podcast. I'm Daniel Saluk. I'm Hobbs Hope Double to that H. Yeah, man. And today we have a special guest. I guess you're a fellow correspondent from Bleach Report. I guess that's a way to introduce. Oh, also, and he does the United Ramp podcast, Paula Sorge. Hello, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. No, man, thank you for joining. One of the more talented writers on Bleach Report, in my opinion. Oh, Ooh, man, I, I, I appreciate that some of the other reporters. Nah, there's, there's some, uh, there's... Basically, no, basically, you are, you're basically insulting the other guys. There are levels and there are levels, double. <laughs> Uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. There are levels. Basically, basically, what you're is that I should only read read reports from you and Paul. Everybody else is crap. That's what you're trying to say. Well, actually, I'm on Champions League duty this season, so I'm only going to be reviewing Champions League games. That's an interesting development, but I still get my money. So, <laughs> okay, look, 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 man, okay, look, okay, I mean, okay, why, okay, why, why are we talking about cash here, man? Let's 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 get right down to the. All right, all right, all right. Uh, I guess. Uh, where we should start is probably transfers because we just kind of missed the transfer deadline. We should have done that a little bit better, Double H. We should have like postponed for a day, you know. Yeah, but, look, uh, man, we, we we flopped, man. So what? Man. Life, <laughs> life moves on. All right, big transfers. You wanted to start with Balotelli to Nice, Double H. Okay, look, man, lucky guys. Let's get down to this whole Balotelli to Nice thing. I'm probably the only guy on planet Earth, or maybe the only guy in the solar system who still believes that Balotelli has something. For me, I feel that he is still the most accurate striker of the football in the world. It's just that he just doesn't have the mentality to realize that, bro, you can be one of the best players in the world. And Nice, initially, when you say Nice, you're like, what? Nice? Blah, blah. Who cares? You have to be playing. Okay? Nice are not Scunthorpe or like Elche. You need to be a starter. And the thing about Nice is that, and I think you guys may agree with this, is that Liverpool, he was played in the right wing. Balotelli is a target man, front strike, and I think that with Nice, they will build the team around him and they will play for him, something he didn't really have 
at AC Milan at his second stint or at Liverpool, where at Liverpool they didn't build it around him. He was trying to be part of a 4-3-3, which he can't play a 4-3-3 on the right wing. So Balotelli at Nice, the main striker, who's given much more of a free role, like an Ibrahimovic role in that Nice, who knows? It could work. So I think it's it's a, it's it's the most interesting move of the window, I thought. Hmm. Paul, you have any thoughts? Yeah, it's, I agree that it's a fascinating move. And uh, you're definitely not the only person in the galaxy that thinks Balotelli's got something. Because you just look back at Euro 2012 is not that long ago. And he was exceptional in that tournament. And he was so important for City too. And his career's gone horribly off the rails. And, and maybe maybe you have to say a lot of that is down to his mentality, but also a lot of that is down to being in unfortunate situations, situations that were just not a good match for what he needed. Um, so, yeah, I, I have to say, even though I'm a United fan and he obviously hates United, I do hope that he finds something because that would be a, a real shame to waste talent of that level or for talent of that level never to get an, a, a kind of renaissance, a second flourishing. Mm, I would say that... If you look at Hatem Ben Arfa, who we thought was basically dead uh, when he left Newcastle, he went to Nice and he found himself. And maybe mm. Balotelli can find that same kind of re- resurgence in a place where the pressure is not going to be completely on him. He's not going to be in the spotlight like he wore at a massive club like Liverpool. You're going to be near, well, near enough to Monaco where you're going to enjoy your life enough and you're going to have fun at Nice. So maybe he can find goals. and Not too much fun. Not too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think Nice finished fourth in League on last season, so it's not a bad team that he's going to at all. No. Then oh, again, oh, well, okay, no, wait, wait, you know, Danny said they finished fourth. How many points were they behind PSG finishing fourth? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't count though. You, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you can't count PSG. They're in a different. League uh, well, yeah, I mean, if, yeah, if you take out PSG from League on, it's a competitive league. But then you put PSG in, and everybody's thirty points behind. So I don't think that's fair. And also, I mean, Ben Arfa just got a transfer to PSG. So if Balotelli does well, it's not like he can't move, you know, to higher levels. So he'd, he'd be such a good replacement for Zlatan as well if he hit any kind of, like, anywhere close to his top level of form. I mean, I think that for me, the likelihood that it will be a success is much less because you have to go over how his career has gone. And he's had so many mishaps, so many red cards, you know, lack of really exerting himself in um, training and so forth. So if this flops, it wouldn't be surprising. The sad thing is that if he actually is a success, that would actually be a surprise. But I just, I still believe that, you know, if this guy just puts his head down and walks, this is an extremely talented and rare striker. And you don't have strikers this good around in the world right now, just based on what he can do potentially. So, yeah, I mean, just swiftly transitioning, I guess. Is Jack Wilshere in that same camp, or are his problems more physical than mental? Because I, I can see Jack Wilshere's transfer to Bournemouth being that same kind of proving ground, if you will, that if it doesn't work at Bournemouth, where is it going to work? No, 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 no. It's different. If Wilshere is fully fit, he is pretty much a starter for Arsenal. And I think for Wenger's like, mate, you're injured so many times. So my thing, and it, the thing what has killed Wilshere is injuries is if you're injured for so long, players have come in your place, they've done well in your place, they've been consistent there, you can't now just come in and then just demand to be in in the team when you've been injured for so long and players who've taken your place have actually done consistently well. He goes to Bournemouth now, what if he now gets another long-term injury? Then what? Exactly, that's what I'm saying. 
it's almost like if you if you look at Bellatelli, he just turned twenty six, and people are like, "You're going to Nice. Your career's over." Jack yeah, Wilson, man, no, 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 shut the hell up, man. Look, man, the guy's a hater, man. <laughs> Paul, uh, your opinions on Jamie character or Jamie Carragher rather <laughs> as um, a as a as a United fan? I, I well. I think that some of Jamie Carragher's analysis of uh, football is extremely sound. And I think perhaps he is a little, let's say, uh, I'm going to use a kind of kind euphemism. He's a bit old school if, when it comes to his kind of understanding of the nuance of human psychology. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I think... I, I, Basically, I expect... hey, no, no, no. Paul, you don't need to use any subtleties on the talk tactics. Basically, <laughs> he's, he's, he's caveman. He's a caveman. That's what we're trying to say. Um, I mean... I think it's more nuanced than that. I think in some ways, Carragher has quite a sophisticated understanding, but I don't imagine that he's got a particularly good grasp of how Mario Balotelli's specific life experience might have affected him. Do you know what I mean? I think, I'm not sure I would entrust uh, Jamie Carragher with Mario Balotelli's development. (laughs) But funnily enough, someone that I would entrust with development is Eddie Howe and Jack Wilshere. So I I don't know how much you've seen of this, but most of the coverage in, let's say, like other than the kind of absolute mainstream English press, any of the kind of slightly left field, more analytical, maybe a bit more hipsterish English coverage has all been about how it's really cowardly of Wilshire to go to Bournemouth and really should have gone to Syria um, and trying to prove himself. But I think that is, I think that really lacks the kind of there are there are things that Jack Wilshire needs. Uh, one of them is like his family situation is pretty complicated. He's got two young children, and I'm not sure that he's still with the mother of those children. So to move to a different country in those circumstances, not such an easy thing to do, and definitely not even necessarily a good thing to do when it comes to the kind of parental care of those kids. Secondly, his best mate plays for Bournemouth, and thirdly, Eddie Howe's entire managerial brilliance the thing he's really good at is getting the best out of young British players. And there's a cultural match there, which I think could probably serve both if Wilshire can stay fit. I think it's a really <laughs> good move for him. Obviously, that's a massive if. Double H. I mean, I mean, Paul. I mean, you. I mean, I think we've got to really look at this whole. Don't go to Syria. Look at the. Look at the, your status as a player. How do you reject Syria for for Bournemouth? And my thing is that you. Okay, you're looking to get into the England team. That's the main thing. And Allardyce is very old school. Is <laughs> and yeah. Allardyce. Yeah, that's also that's the thing. And also Allardyce will look at England first before before looking at abroad. That's actually just just a fact. So I think once you now go abroad, because remember, Wilshire's move is 100% for for 2018. That's that's just what it's about. If he didn't really care about 2018 and the World Cup, yeah, stay at Arsenal, you don't know the place that you play whenever you want to play. But the fact that he wants to play and prove himself is because of 2018. And if you now go to Roma or Milan, it's Allardyce is not really going to look there. Alex will his focus will sincerely 100% be on who is in England right now. I'm going to first give first dibs on the people in England, and if I've not filled my 22 or 26, then I'll now look at abroad to see who I can look for. So I think you've got to go to a place where you are guaranteed the first team, and Bournemouth 100%, you're going to be the one of the best players there. So the move when you think of I'm trying to get into the World Cup team and Allardyce is the manager and he will look at English players playing in England, England first, Bournemouth makes 100% sense. I don't think that's a 
a hundred percent fair representation of Allardyce. I have very mixed feelings about Sam Allardyce, but he's already tried to see if he could get Stephen and Zonzi to come and play for the England team. Oh yeah, yeah, so yeah, I yeah, think yeah, he's, yeah. He's definitely got some some like European scouting in his locker. Also, but, I, I was just about to say. I mean, so is is Joe Hart not going to make it because he's in Italy <laughs> and he's going to go and he's in Torino? My first question: Do you guys not get a Serie A package in England? <laughs> we do. It's okay. So, so that's that's thing one. And thing two, I think if you look at it just kind of from a footballing perspective, Jack Wilshere's game is probably more suited to an Italian brand of football, where it's slower, where he can take advantage of his passing. His kind of tenacity, I think, would work best in a slower-paced league. If you put him in Roma's team or Milan's team. And you don't put him in kind of the physical, the wild, wild west brand of Premier League football. I think he would avoid injury, one, and that he could learn a new style or a new brand of football. I think the pastoral stuff is so important that we, we all tend to kind of analyse footballers as footballers first rather right. than humans first. But like Balotelli is a kind of great example of why you need to treat people as humans first. And I think Wilshire being in a different country to his kids and his friends and his family uh, at this stage of his life, because he's a very young man as well. Like Joe Hart is a good couple of years down the line from yeah twenty nine yeah so like I don't know I just I think the the kind of footballing benefits which are kind of obvious um, to Wilshire playing in Syria are slightly outweighed by the kind of pastoral negative effects that would come from uh, being so far away from his comfort zone. That's a that's a good point. No, no, but I think like but Paul, I mean, in response to that, I just still feel that then you've got to think about yourself as a football player and how do you perceive yourself? Because obviously I understand that of like, you know, thinking about, you know, the more personal thing and where do you feel the most at home so you can psychologically give your best as a player. Mm. But if, let's say like, okay, you don't think about, like let's say Allardyce says, you know what, whatever players out there, I'm going to um, pick anybody, or let's say Mourinho or whoever was in charge, you don't reject Roma for Bournemouth. You know, <laughs> if Roma comes calling... And you are like a player who wants to prove yourself. You do not reject Roma for Bournemouth. AC Milan is different because that's AC Milan. They're they're in a mess. If Roma come calling, you have a chance to now go to this area, a very technical league that is very high on technicality. You, they come calling, and it's between Roma and, and Bournemouth. You shouldn't even have to make it a decision. You know, taking those risky moves, moving is part of first of all being a man, part of actually proving yourself. And part of saying, you know what, I I want to now take my football to the next level and really prove my, my myself on, on the big time. Mm, that kind of makes sense. But then, the I mean, we could go back and forth for, and I'm sure there's other things that you guys want to cover. Um, yeah. But the, the, the one thing I would say back to that is, of course, that he's just not necessarily first choice at Roma. So it's kind of his career development. He desperately needs a full season of football. Like, he's just never had one. And he desperately needs one. So uh, to go somewhere where he can be the kind of theoretical main man, a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Also, like United's first game of the season was at Bournemouth. And uh, so I went there and stayed there overnight. It's lovely. <laughs> Bournemouth's well nice. Like right by the <laughs> sea, oh, it... lovely sandy beach. It's great. <laughs> wow. Damn. No, it's, it's, you know, people have this misconception that, oh, Bournemouth... Maybe Bournemouth is actually pretty nice. Maybe like there's some nice what's it called strip joints, you know, beaches, all this kind of stuff. You know, look, man, don't don't just don't judge a book by its cover. That's what I said. All right, guys. All right, guys. The big transfer that happened. Well, actually, there were two. Uh, you had Musa Suzoko kind of crossing Everton, breaking their ankles. Did Tottenham pay the flight? 
Oh, oh, oh. Do, do you know oh, what I mean? or, or, or was it Everton that paid the flight and then Suzuko went Tottenham? And and I saw a picture today where Musa Suzuko has an Arsenal top in his closet. How are you going to Tottenham if you're like uh, this lifelong Arsenal fan? Interesting. Oh, no, no, Rooney is, a, is an Everton fan. No, Rooney is a lifelong Everton fan. He's not playing for Liverpool, is he? Okay, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just there, interesting. But there's but, a thing but, called but, being a professional man. I know. I was just about to say that players don't have the affiliations with shirts and colors that fans necessarily do. But uh, Musa Zoko, maybe the player of the final, of the Euro 2016 final. Well, obviously, get... it's a slight mistake for the Eder goal. So. He played well for 119 minutes, and the mistake yeah, he made well, in the, mm-hmm. what was it, 17th, 117, he moves to Tottenham for $30 million. Uh, I thought that was a pretty good move for both parties, considering. You guys have any thoughts on that? I think it's a great move for Newcastle, and I think it's potentially <laughs> it's a potentially great move for Newcastle. Thirty mil, yeah. is that it? <laughs> for a player that played well five times max <laughs> for Newcastle United. I mean, every Newcastle so man, United. More than, oh man, give me more than thirty, man. In in today's market, give me more than thirty, man. For Sissoko, I'll give you more yes. than. I'll give you more than 30 if he repeats that Euro 2016 final performance uh, more than twice in the next season. Like, never has there been a man who should be on performance-related pay more than Musa Sissoko. Like, every Newcastle fan I know, literally every Newcastle fan I know, is absolutely delighted, A, that he's gone, and B, that the club got that much money out of it. No, 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 Paul, and tell those Newcastle United fans that, as delighted as you are, which division are you are you playing in? Yeah, so, but one of them, but, they, but they're, they're, they're in that division. Well, one of the major reasons they're in that division is the absolutely <laughs> dreadful form of Musa Sissoko. That's oh, that is a lie. <laughs> that is a complete and arrant lie. Don't those those clowns shouldn't blame Sissoko on the reason why they're in that division. Reason why they're in that division, first of all, their their owner Mike Ashley is is a damn clown. That's the first mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Second thing. Is the way the team was run, the, the, the way the team was coached. I was watching some some of their games. These guys, they did not have a clue. Vinaldo was playing like four or five positions by himself. So for these guys to now throw a bloody Christmas party because hey man, we got thirty million for Sissoko. What are you gonna do with that cash? You're still in that division. When are you gonna come out to the Premiership? So look, man, I'm sorry. Thirty million in today's market is chicken change. Chicken. <laughs> At least 50. You guys both have really good points here. And, Paul, I agree that both Newcastle fans should be happy if you just look at it in a vacuum. That, hey, we got rid of a player that wasn't at his peak. He had maybe five good games in in our colors, two good games at the Euros, or maybe three, and we get $30 million for him. But the point is, who are you giving the $30 million to? You're giving it to Double H's bastion of everything evil, Mike Ashley. It's almost like... What is Newcastle going to do with that money? They spent like quite a lot of money in the transfer window um, on players who are a better fit for a Rafael Benitez team in the Championship, which is a weird concept anyway. Um, but I, I just will be really, really surprised. The one manager in the world, you have to say, who maybe can get consistent performances out of uh, Musa Sissoko is Mauricio Pochettino. Like that is a good match in terms of he is an absolute firebrand motivator of a manager, and he does seem to kind of be able to get a lot out of different types of players. He got such a lot out of Musa Dembele last season, and so so maybe there's like 
Uh, maybe he's just good with players called Musa. I don't know. Um, <laughs> maybe he can do it uh, where where no manager has succeeded before. But like Sissoko is just so flaky when he doesn't feel like doing it. Obviously, like an incredible talent. But yeah. uh, the fact that Didier Deschamps sacrificed Paul Pogba for Musa Sissoko in the final of Euro 2016 is something that's going to take me a long time to get over. <laughs> he's, he, no, 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 he's, okay. he's quite I, I, streaky. I think it, it, it's a case of like, I mean, I'm sorry, Daniel, just... Um, very quickly, okay, for me, I just feel that it's not a great move, it's a pretty good move because the Soko doesn't actually fit Tottenham's play. But what it is is that in a midfield, this is what I was saying to people, you need your flair players, your crazy players, and you need those, your totem pole, much more box-to-box players just to add some meat and foundation. So they're basically just adding much more meat into that midfield. And I think as far as motivation goes, look... That's the, the tricky thing. Can you make him consistent? It's very different to play for your country under the lights of a European Championship than it is to play away at Stoke on a rainy January. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get motivated to play away at Stoke, no, no matter what, what, what you do. So there you go. So <laughs> One more transfer before we get to the Manchester Derby. Uh, Chelsea bought back David Luiz. Weird. Uh, as a pseudo-Chelsea supporter and... Someone who was once in love with the club, who's falling. Whoa, once? What do you mean by once? Where was I? I'm like, I was once a fanatic. Like, I had Chelsea bed sheets, and now those <laughs> don't exist anymore because I'm a journalist and I'm trying to be objective, so I can't look at them with the blue tinted glasses that I once looked. But if you look at now, Conte, Antonio Conte, he now has options with Marcos Alonso and David Luiz. The issue is. Why does it always, it seems like Chelsea are regressing in ways because they went back for Lukaku. They didn't get him. They brought back Jose Mourinho a few years ago. They brought back Didier Drogba. They're bringing back David Luiz. How come they're only going for players and people who they already know? It's almost like their scouting is lacking in some instance. It just doesn't make any sense. Like you had him, you let him go for a reason, and now you bring him back. Obviously different managers, but but, but, but yeah, but okay. Is David Luiz... Does he seem like a Conte defender? He just had me... he, he just had Chiellini, Barzagli, Bonucci. Maybe you can say David Luiz is a ball playing center back, and he's somewhat in the vein of Bonucci. But I think that's nonsense. So let me explain, and let me explain to you because you are right. You're fully right. If Conte is getting David Luiz as a defender, he's he's mad, I'm completely and completely brainless. No, no, no. See, just to interject, I don't think this is Conte necessarily. I what? think it's. I, I think this is the Chelsea board, and that's where the problem is because they're Man, going. They're, on, they're, they're going for targets who they already know, and they're basically like, "Yo, Antonio, we're gonna go back for David Luiz. You cool with that?" Conte's looking at the squad like, "My next defender is called Ola Aina. So yes, go get David Luiz, and that's mm. the issue. Look, David Luiz for me, he's a he's 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 a, a crap defender. <laughs> he doesn't know how to play central defense. David Luiz is a is a very good football football player. You put him in defensive midfield, let's talk. I think he could even be pushed up into even a central midfield position, even. Like, David Luiz in central midfield or in the midfield position, whatever, I think that's a pretty interesting move to make. So I think Conte may say, you know what, Fabregas, I'm not really feeling you. Matic, yeah, yeah. David Luiz, let's see what he can do in, in midfield. Let's see what he can do in I mean, I mean just, just like I say, it gives them options. But there's a troubling concern. It almost feels like Chelsea in the January window are going to go back and buy Ramirez. That's what it feels like <laughs> to me. 
It, I, 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 it's, it's, it's not funny, Paul. It's not, I'm, I'm dead ass serious. They're going to go to Ganshu, China, wherever he's at. And they're just going to be like, yo, 30 million. He ain't leaving that cash. Sorry. Jose is going to sell you Huamata. That's what's going to happen. I, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I don't, no, I don't doubt that the only reason Juan Mata's playing was to put him in the shop window. No, Mourinho's a man reborn. He's finally at his dream <laughs> job, and the good in him can come out. Like the end of Star Wars, the end of Return of the Jedi, the good in Darth Vader has been seen. That's what's happened. <laughs> never, man. Mourinho will, will never turn. He'll never change, man. Never, man. <laughs> Is that our segue into the Manchester Derby? I think it should be. It um, was an accident, but it totally works, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, but, well, I guess we'll start with City, just kind of with the transfers. They've let go of Nazari. I think he went to Sevilla. Uh, they, well, let me get through the list, and then I'll get to my point, Double H. Listen, you just mentioned a guy called Samir Nazari. I know, Who but I'm going through the list. All good things come in threes. They, they let go of uh, Nazari to Sevilla. They let go of uh, Mangala to, I believe, <laughs> Valencia. And they let go of Wilfred Boney on loan to Stoke. Now, Sergio Aguero is suspended for the Manchester Derby, which is kind of a big deal. And you have Kelechi Iheanacho, potentially, or Nelito, who are going to play as the number nine for Pep. What do you guys think Pep is going to do now that he doesn't have Boney as a backup? Or was Boney even ever in contention? In the first place, um, Boney was never in contention. The fact, the fact that he got loaned out to Stoke shows that the guy was not in anyone's plans. Um, I think that, um, and also speaking of quickly, just remember we have to also touch on Yaya Toure being not included in the Champions League squad because that is a huge deal. Um, but for me, I feel it's looking like it's going to be Kelechi. You know, I think he may, he could be Nolito, but I think Nolito as a striker, I think he's much more of a flank player. He's not really a striker. So I think is this Nigeria what? bias? Is this Nigeria bias? <laughs> no, look, this is completely objective. Look, hence Stop why... Stop it. You can't be objective with Kelechi because who is the best young no, no, footballer no. in the world? No, hell yes. Of course he's the best young footballer in the world. Of course. <laughs> he's no, not the best young footballer in Manchester. He's the best young footballer in, in the world. So look, that's such a fact. Check the stats. Basically, my thing is this, is that um, Kelechi in this game, it's too high profile. Too high profile. And United's defence has been legit. So... It's going to be, have to be about that midfielder and that overrated guy called Raheem Sterling, whatever his name is. So, you know, that's what's going to have to be about. So, huge miss. I hate it happened because I wanted the best, I wanted the two best strikers to be on the pitch at the same time, Aguero and Ibrahimovic. But it is what it is. Aguero tried to assault Winston Reid in the public. So, Pep made this what he brought in for. That's what a manager does. Manage. <laughs> so, you've got to... Flip things around and try and get something at Old Trafford, but advantage United, man, for sure. So, Paul, uh, your, your your opinion on what you think Manchester City would do against United in an attacking Don't be biased. Sense. Don't be biased. <laughs> I, I heard your show last week where you uh, you you laid it on the line to Daniel. It's impossible for him to be unbiased about Chelsea. Um, I think that I can't be unbi- I can't be. Uh, completely unbiased but I try and be as fair minded as I know how to be I think this is a huge test for United and I think it's a huge test for City I think it will be a pretty major shock if these two teams aren't the top two uh, at the end of this season because I feel fairly confident in saying these are the two best managers in the league with the two best squads in the league Whoa, Antonio Conte don't hate man Antonio Conte I, I think he's I think he's number three or number four. Like, that's nah. his, oh, number four. What? 
Yeah, Jurgen Klopp's pretty pretty smart guy. But <laughs> but yeah, I'm not quite sure what City will do up front, and I think a lot will depend on what they do up front. But I mean, you can say that uh, Sterling's overrated. I think maybe the pendulum has swung the other way because he had such a terrible first season at City and such a terrible Euros that I think he's kind of gone from being slightly overrated to slightly underrated in the general discussion. And Pep is clearly getting an awful lot out of him at the moment. And I think him and De Bruyne and Silva... You can't, no defence facing those teams, that those players can rest on their laurels. I do think the midfield battle is fascinating. Uh, I don't really understand why Jose's decided that Fellaini is the one alongside Pogba, but so far he's doing a pretty good job. Um, it's because the alternative is a guy called Michael Carrick. Michael Carrick is <laughs> I mean, Morgan Snyblin and the Herrera, we've got options. That's true. No, 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 I mean, I, I, Paul, very quickly, being obviously English and um, being a Manchester fan, Rooney, I have my views on Rooney, but just for me, give me your views on Rooney for United, stroking the ball, especially, especially for United. Wayne Rooney, uh, listen, everyone that listens to my podcast knows exactly where I stand on this subject or follows me on Twitter or reads the stuff on Bleacher Report. Like, Rooney is easily United's biggest problem. Easily, like, it's not even close. That attack with, say, Ibrahimovic playing behind Rashford or Mkhitaryan playing behind Ibrahimovic or Mkhitaryan on the right and Matter in the middle behind Ibrahimovic, all of those options are literally infinitely preferable to Wayne Rooney's presence. He slows down attacks, he breaks up play, his first touch is completely random like it goes from it's horrible horrible please say yeah but he can like occasionally there'll be a Berbatov-esque piece of magical first touch from him but most of the time it's just going to ping straight off him but but and this is an important factor three games this season two assists and one goal split across the three games uh, major impact at key moments he hasn't lost his knack of putting the ball in the back of the net. So the kind of my my instinct, which is to completely write him off and say, I just wish he would never play again for United or England, is always kind of slightly like there is always a counter argument to that, which is, yeah, but look, he is still putting up some numbers. But I think, you know, hopefully by Christmas, Mourinho will be moving in a different direction. Well, you know what, for me, I, in my view, I feel that Rooney was once... Talent said he was never a world world class player. I, I was just about to ask: Do you guys think Rooney was ever world class? Nope, yes, never. without any doubt. Like he's the best teenager never. I've ever Four. seen by miles. The two thousand and two thousand and three to two thousand and five. <laughs> Wayne Rooney was no 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 so you're telling me right now that there was a point in which Wayne Rooney was one of the best players in the world for his position? Yes, without doubt. Wait, wait, wait. Not, not, okay. Absolutely, yeah. without any doubt whatsoever, All right. without no, doubt. Because, you see, I think that's your reaching here. In which year <laughs> specifically? In which, because, like, let's... Uh, 2004, 2005, if, if you want a specific year. Yeah. Okay, so it's 04-05, let's now think. So that was the 04 European Championships. So then mm-hmm. we saw the emergence of Cristiano. Okay, so people was obviously kind of fading off towards then. Robin was around in 04. Rosicki was around in Ofa as well. Rosicki was probably one of the best <laughs> Listen, if you, if you think... What are we going to say right now? Um, oh, Rosicki so, versus I mean, what, really in, in 04. 04. 
<laughs> I can't believe we're having this debate. And I can't believe there's, there's someone taking the other end of this debate. You're telling me, no, no, because this is important. You're telling me that a dude who has scored one World Cup goal, one yeah. solitary World Cup goal, a guy who has not only had one pretty good performance in an international tournament, i.e. Euro 2004, you're telling me that this dude at one point was the best player for his position in the world at one point? That's crazy. That's it's, crazy. It's, it's not crazy. He was Okay, you can you can take that view and that's fine. We can happily I'm happily to agree to disagree because that's what being a grown up is all about, right? But in 2004 to say that Rooney had quite a good international tournament is a huge understatement, and his impact on United in 0405 as a team was finding itself again, having completely lost itself. The comparison between Rooney and Cristiano at that time. Funnily enough, I just ran a poll on my Twitter, which had almost 2,000 votes in it, about who was better at 18 years old, which is what we're talking about uh, around that time, out of the two of them. And 88% of respondents said that Rooney was better as a teenager than Ronaldo was. And that's certainly in the position that I would take on it. And, and, and Ronaldo obviously became an infinitely better player. And, and kind of the tragedy of Wayne Rooney is that he should have been much more than he became. No, but... no, wait, I should actually Paul, very quickly now. In that same time, because it's very good that you brought, you brought that up, and Daniel, you should back me up on this. <laughs> I'm not backing you up on anything you've said when you no, said no, 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 no. Yo, yo, bro. <laughs> yo, 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 my, my <laughs> Are you going to tell me that at that time, when Cristiano was pretty much the linchpin of the counter-attack, Rooney was a bigger star in a United team than Cristiano? Miles Are you tell me that Rooney bigger. was a bigger star? The, until until 2005, 2006, where they're kind of neck and neck. Then, 06, 07, Ronaldo absolutely blows Rooney out of the water. And I actually think that's part of what happened to Rooney was, I think he took a massive hit of kind of personal confidence around that time. So if you look at his career, it's never quite been the same since. If you look at the 2009, 2010 season, didn't Rooney score like 30 goals in 40 games or 34 and 44? I mean, he was he was he was tremendous that year, and they yeah. missed out on the league. Uh, United missed out on the league by. That two was points. like man, I don't know though, but like crazy man. But that season, I wouldn't put him at like world class bracket. Not that season, that two thousand and nine ten season. He reinvented himself as a number nine, and the team was really built around him. And he's always been a good finisher, so like it really, and he kind of like honed his selfish instincts, and that was really yeah. effective. But there's no way I'd say he was world class in that year. I, I this is not an argument based on like some deep affection for Wayne Rooney, one of like my least favorite. You know, players a player I find endlessly frustrating who manager after manager has bigged up and I've just been looking at it like completely baffled who the English press have continued to lionize long into his decline and just look at it baffled who Allardyce says I can't tell him where to play and you just look at it baffled but I am absolutely not having that he wasn't an electric unbelievable absolutely top level elite talent in his later teenage years he was well, he was I, a force well, oh, of nature wow there's a difference between being an electric talent or having people looking at you as being an electric talent and then that actually coming completely 100% to fruition in later mm. years. So mm. I, I can see that Wayne Rooney, you could look at him when he was 18, 19, 20, and you could say, yeah, there's the potential to be one of all-time great players. Mm -hmm. But that that faded, and then you had Ronaldo right along next to him. Absolutely. Uh, 
And Double H has his own opinions on Ronaldo. But if you look at Manchester United Ronaldo, I don't think I haven't seen a better player in the Premier League than that version of Ronaldo, personally. I and, agree. And, 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 then, and then when you juxtapose him with Rooney, you're like, Wayne, what happened? <laughs> but it, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's not fair. Wait, 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 Daniel. Are you saying that Cristiano Peak is better than Henri Peak in the Premiership? Well, Obviously. <laughs> that was a joke. That obviously part was a joke. I would, I would just shade it for Cristiano. Yeah, yeah. I would probably shade Ronaldo by a mm-hmm. by a hair. But then like, again, but but then again, I have Arsenal bias. No, so, no, 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 you know, for me, obviously, again, this is a difference. I don't want to allow us to veer off too much, but in my view, or because remember, I grew up being a huge supporter of Chelsea, and Zola was one of my favorite players like of all time. But I don't think there's been a better player all round than Henri. You know, all and, rounds, all, all rounds, or just like in an attacking sense, because that doesn't make any sense. For me. No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. I'm just best football player. So on mm. all encompassing, the best football player in the Premiership has to be Henri. Okay. You know, because Cristiano was really a weapon, a counter-attacking, extremely fast weapon that Ferguson used to fruition. Henri was this is an amazing football player that did some crazy things on the pitch. You know, similar to like what you're doing, where you see where you see Messi do for Barcelona, where you know, forget the goals that Messi scores, what he does over 90 minutes in a match, and some of the little nuances he will do in a match are crazy. Like some of the stuff that Henri did in a match was crazy. Remember, Ferguson had to remove all those dumb stepovers from Cristiano and those dribbling that didn't go anywhere and really make him a much more effective player. So there was a lot of refining. That Ferguson had to do for Cristiano, and really, Ferguson just said, "No, you are a weapon, and if you do these things specifically, you will be much more effective and will you produce for us." But Henri really became like your like the team, like okay. assist, passing, link up, you know, one twos, you know, all that kind of stuff. Okay, we'll we'll just leave it there, Double H. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> this could go on for like the. Next no, 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 yeah. Um, because you guys are mad, by the way. You guys Darby, are mad. Okay, so we've talked briefly on City, but Paul, as a United writer, uh, how do you think United have, have done over the first three games coming into basically the match of the season? Yeah, it's been amazing. It's, it's been like such a, I don't know, like a pretty emotional experience, to be honest, because um, I know it's only been three years since we were the most spoiled collection of fans in England, and it's like three years without winning the title shouldn't feel like such a long Don't time. hit on Moyes, man. Don't hit on Moyes, please. Don't hit on Moyes, please. Uh, oh my goodness, are you are you serious? Is that a serious? Is it a serious Moyes defense force? Because uh, that's gonna that's gonna really upset me if that happens. <laughs> um, David Moyes is a, a terrible, terrible, terrible fit for any club with any ambition whatsoever. But anyway. Um, <laughs> But the Van Gaal, the Van Gaal series seasons were like they had their moments, but like so many stretches. I started going to games for Bleacher Report last season, so I'd go to the press conferences afterwards, and like Van Gaal's press conferences were for the most part quite entertaining and quite pleasant. But the football was so boring. Like th- there's a game we won last season, one nil against Aston Villa, and there was a point at which I was literally on my phone, checking Twitter, like not even <laughs> hardly watching the match. It was 
there was nothing worth watching on the pitch. And this season's already been more exciting than almost all of last season put together. Just watching Zlatan in action for the team you support is like a, a kind of breathtaking experience. And Paul Pogba's performance against Southampton on a Friday night under the floodlights at Old Trafford with the crowd like really up for it. It was a peak football moment. It's a moment I'll remember for a really long time. So yeah, it's been it's been an exciting season so far and it's only just getting started. Well, actually, let me just quickly add for you, Paul. I mean, I mean, obviously, like Daniel was there, you can comment. I just, and this is uh, my view is this, and I, maybe people will not view this as right, is the whole Martial thing. See, now, in my view, I look at Martial like Samuel Edso, and in a sense of Samuel Edso, circa 2009 with Mourinho. Samuel Edso is a, is a striker, he's a 100% striker. But Mourinho said, no, I want to move you out wide because this will be much more effective for our team, because I believe that you have attributes as a wide player that can just make us much more effective, and I can actually bring in Melito into the, the, the game and just make us win games. And Eto didn't enjoy it, but he did it anyway. And look, they won the treble. So he's doing the same thing with Martial right now. And my thing is that, yes, it's working, but... Would it be so wrong to have Martial and Ibrahimovic to team up? Because obviously yes. Ibrahimovic is much more of like a striker who likes to move back a bit. Even if he can actually play as a target man, he likes maybe be a bit more withdrawn. Martial, I feel, can actually be a full-on old-school number nine. He doesn't have the number nine shirts, but that's a whole different issue. But <laughs> I think it can actually be a number nine. So I don't know. Is it wrong to have Martial and Ibra as a strike partnership? I think that would be a real waste of the squad as it currently stands because, first of all, the big difference with Etu is that, um, like, at least... Uh, that was a Mourinho innovation, really, to play Etu wide. But Martial played a huge amount wide on the left last season. He, he played more games wide on the left than he did at centre-forward. So it's not new to him in that same way. It makes really good sense to use him there because he's so good coming off that flank and he's had uh, I mean I was really pleased that he scored for France because I think he's been in like a little mini slump for him but there's a lot of mitigating circumstances for that and I, I think we're going to see that soon soon fade and actually if you're going to make a strike partnership you make it out of Rashford and Ibrahimovic and you mm. still have Martial on the left because yeah, I, was, I was just about to suggest that instead of putting Martial wide you put Rashford and Ibra together and yeah. you put and you bench Rooney. <laughs> yes, I mean every, every good solution no, 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 with United's no, no, attack involves benching Rooney. <laughs> no, no, no. Because for me, I feel like first of all, you see the thing with Mkhitaryan is that it's weird because I think Mkhitaryan it's it's a good buy, but Mkhitaryan is a specific kind of player. I think he's built for the Premiership because he's very quick, he's very direct, and because the Premiership allows for a lot of counter attacking and. The games aren't as tactical as the Syria or like some La La Liga games. Mkhitaryan with a, with a lot of space can be extremely dangerous. So, okay, fair enough. You can say you can pull Rashford in there. But I just think that Martial can play on the left. But the way I look at him, I think this guy has the attributes to be a very good striker. So even if he can play out wide on the wing, Rashford, remember Rashford is young. He's still a young player, and he's very look. Rashford, the guy is very good, very good player. But I just think that you know, it's about trying things. And this, I just think that there should be a stage in which Mourinho should be like, look, but let's just see a few games with Martial in the middle, like in a league cup. Don't mess with what works in the league right now. In the league, 
this is what works. Martial are wide Ibra in the middle, but I just feel that Martial, his potential is an amazing striker, not an amazing winger. That's just what I think, you know. So yeah, and oh, I, I, sorry, sorry, Daniel. No, I've talked a lot. No, go ahead, man. I, I I don't disagree that Martial has the potential to be a really excellent striker, and he's a player I love watching, and I'm so excited that he's at United. And I think one of the things he can be excellent at is an inside forward in a four-three-three. You know, like on the left in a four-three-three that's a very different role to the role he's playing now and he would just be absolutely electric or in a kind of Thierry Henry role of starting on the left and cutting inside all the time. In, but as a striker, he, he could be brilliant at that too. But You, you know, guys are kind of Rashford's... missing the point that this is Jose Mourinho though. And <laughs> yeah, he's, exactly. he's, he is exactly. never going he, he to play anything close to what maybe Barcelona would with four three three with Neymar, Suarez and Messi just basically being three strikers, just go out there and do what you want. Mourinho, he's gonna want discipline, and I think mm-hmm. that's and, and I think that's that's what's kind of gonna hinder Martial's. I don't want to say development, but that's gonna hamper his goal scoring. Is that in in order to play on the left or right for Mourinho, you have to track back. There's you can't get around it. It's why he preferred uh, Willian at Chelsea. It's it's why he let go of Mata, which is very curious why he's playing Mata in Manchester. Well, he's, he's no, 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 like, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm, he's a brilliant footballer, and anytime he gets on the pitch, it's music to my ears. But not always. It's, man. it's, it's, it's not, just not it's always. just interesting that Mourinho's picking him because of the reasons that he didn't at Chelsea. But if, if you just look at Martial, there's no way that he's going to be allowed that freedom, especially when you already have Ibrahimovic, who's never going to put in any but defensive then, work. But then, but then Daniel though is like you look at. I was watching the whole City game, and the way United were playing, I've not seen a Mourinho team play like that. Because when you look at that's that, that's because he hasn't infected them yet. Dan, it's not that. It's like, if you give it three more months, trust me, United are going to look like Chelsea. I don't know, no, sixteen what, months ago. What I'm saying to you is that look, man, throughout Mourinho's tenure at Real Madrid, Chelsea, everything, the way that guys are interchanging, coming in and out, playing once, and I think it's because of maybe Ibrahimovic, the way that they're interchanging, there's actually a lot more freedom with how they're able to move out in and out of positions than in other teams that Mourinho has played with. That's because I just think that maybe it's the Ibrahimovic effect. That mm. Ibrahimovic says, you know what? Let me bring in Marshall. Okay, let me play a one to off you. Let me hold the ball. You come inside, make a Marshall, make a, diag- a diagonal run into the box. I think there's a little bit more uh, malleability than has been with his very pragmatic, rigid, offensive approaches with Chelsea and so forth. So, you know, look, man, people That's... in Mourinho for being too boring, eh, you know. That's that is totally not going to happen in the derby, though. I can guarantee you. Mourinho's philosophy in big matches is to play for the point and that's his philosophy in big games. No, no, no. They have, they have the, they have the good, without Aguero, they've got to go for the win. That's no, 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 no. Mourinho's strategy is totally risk adverse. That's in in big matches. I, I was reading uh, an article on the Guardian once, and there was a, a Spanish writer. Um, named Diego Torres, I believe, yeah. and and from dodgy sources, or maybe not dodgy, but sources that were anti-Mourinho, I guess from the Iker Casillas, Sergio Ramos side of things in Mourinho's tenure at Real Madrid, he found seven tenets, if you will, to Mourinho's philosophy in big, game, in big games. And it was basically whoever has the ball makes mistakes and whoever has possession has fear. So his instinct or his tactical nature in these big matches is to let the other team have the ball, let them make a mistake, and then we pounce on their mistakes. So if you remember 
when Chelsea went to Liverpool in 2014. That's the quintessential match for Mourinho's big game philosophy. The, the game was sandwiched in between two ties with Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. They go there, Steven Gerrard slips, they get a goal in, I think, the 45th minute. Uh, they get the second goal in the 90th minute after another mistake well, where Torres passes to Williams. So, so, no, 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 no. And no it's, it's, it, of course he had scraps, but if you remember Mourinho's first away game in his second spell with Chelsea was at Old Trafford. He had options. He had Barr, he had Torres, he had, uh, well, I don't know if he had Eto at that point. I'm pretty sure he did. But he started Andre Charlotte at center forward and was more than happy to take the nil-nil draw. Because yep. his theory is, uh, we don't want to lose points to title rivals. So I'm more than comfortable playing for one point and just basically splitting the points with title rivals and beating everybody else. And that's going to be his theory in this game. So, this I'm, I, but, but also, 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 United are going to probably have counterattacking opportunities if they can get the ball in midfield. Because if, if you look at what Pep is doing with the fullbacks, they're so compact when they attack that their space in the flanks, if you can get Martial or Rashford or whomever in the space behind the fullbacks, because Pep isn't going to change his, his philosophy, is he? He's, he's, no, he's, no. he, he, he's going to be him, and he's going to be like, Jose, stop me, essentially. And I think United can find joy in wide areas on the counterattack. So maybe, I, I can see maybe like a 1-1 or something like that, but it's not going to be United going forward like they did against Hull. Because Mourinho is going to be way more pragmatic. I think that Mourinho is a bit more complex because I think it really is dependent on the club. Remember when he came to Chelsea, they didn't want Jack. <laughs> they didn't want Jack. So Mourinho like, look, mate, I am literally making your history for you. Now when he went to Real Madrid, you're going to Real Madrid. And what do you do? You win La Liga with a record number of points, record number of goals scored in that league. Now, with Man United, a job that he always wanted, he knows that, no, this ain't small potatoes Chelsea. This is bloody Manchester United. He, he's not going to change his nature, Double H, in these big matches. No, I'm, not, I'm not saying about changing his nature. I'm saying about tweaking it. Not Nobody can fully change your nature, but I think because he knows that this is United, this is Ferguson's team, this is a wizard one of my idols, I have to slightly readjust myself, just like what he did with Real Madrid, leading them to scoring those high number of goals. I've got to change my approach a little bit because this is my nice. Look at how they've played these first three games. It ain't like classic pragmatic Mourinho, and I'm willing to bet with you, even when match comes, United, they will still be a team that's tr still trying to play a little bit in the front, not full on attacking, but a lot more offensive than, let's say, his Chelsea or his Inter time. Paul? Um, I think I'm fundamentally inclined to agree with Daniel with a like a little I, I definitely hear what you're saying and I think I think that there's I think it's true that there will be some tweaks and I do think the expectation at United is such that there will be some tweaks but I think in this game Mourinho would bite your hand off for a point right now he would love a point right now <laughs> with, with with no Aguero yeah, absolutely. He would he would take a point and stop City getting those three points in a heartbeat. Because the, the thing that I most fundamentally agree with, with what Daniel said, is that his philosophy is you share the points against the teams around you and smash everyone else. I think that's, that's big. And I think also 
there'll be part of him that's looking to play down the Pep Jose rivalry narrative here and save that for when he really needs it. Um, Because for now, he's got too much to think about without kind of allowing Pep to completely dominate his brain in the way he did at Madrid. (laughs) No, no, no. For for, for, me, I think in this game, okay, look, let's look at both managers. I think for Pep, Pep's approach to this is like, damn it. No Aguero. I've got to pretty much get the run into the game. Because you know that Kelechi, he's too young for a game of this magnitude against a very good, experienced defense with Mourinho behind them. So I think what Pep will do is that who cares whether they were playing at Old Trafford, we've now got to just keep hold of that ball, walk the ball, keep possession, and just try and make the ball work for us. That's what his main thing is, 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 is going to be. What do you think and the possession far- stats are going to look like? Do you think it's going to be like 70-30? No, no, no. I think it's going to be like 60-40, like around 60-40. So I think, you know, for, I think you're going to see City really hold possession of the ball for like, you know, like huge periods of the game as they try and really try to get Nolito and De Bruyne into those dangerous spots. And I think Sterling is going to be very key. I think Sterling is going to be very crucial. It is, they're going to really try and feed him a lot, a lot of those balls. Mm. So I think, so for Pep, I think he will know that we're not going to go for the win. We're going to just try and keep ourselves in the game and just make sure we don't lose. The key thing is that for Pep, don't lose the game. But don't go out and try and force the win because without Aguero, a huge part of our attacking is gone. For Mourinho, he will definitely be like, yeah, Aguero is gone, but we've got to be careful here. Well, we're playing at Old Trafford, but I, d- I do think that at the back of his mind, he will still say, let's try and get a 1-0. He's, he's looking for the win. Do you know that Manchester like, City have a better record without Sergio Aguero in their team than they do with him in the team? Well, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, they, they win 66% of the games without Aguero. They won 60% with him. But let's focus on this season with 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 Pep. This season with Pep, Aguero has been bowling under Pep's system. It's it's been working great. Pep now has to learn. Okay, now Pep, now what are you now going to do without Aguero in the, in the team, who has been so important for you in, in all the three games? So I think that you know, I that's why for Dan. I mean, I do feel that I'm not saying all that attack he's going to be fully on the non front foot, but I think Mourinho is going to be a little bit more positive than you than you think that he will be for this match because of Aguero missing. If Aguero was playing 100%, he's going for a 0-0 or a 100%. But with no Aguero, he's going to be like, let's steal this, 1-0. 1-0, get the goal and just hold back. Because I think that he said, you know what, let's just get an early goal. Let's go into the lead and boom, let's just fall, fall back. Let's just fall back and then just be full-on defensive as we get our goal. Do you think that the timing of the match has any bearing on Mourinho's philosophy that it's the fourth game of the season, so, yes. so maybe so maybe we can be a bit more progressive? And if this was maybe game 34, then he'd go for the point. I think, there's, there's, I think there's actually an argument to say that the time of the game also flips that. And if you think about that Chelsea United game that you referred to earlier, that was the first game of the season. It was, uh, it was so early, he was just bedding stuff in. But I think the biggest impact of the timing will just be the, the impact that the international break and the mm. kind of injuries and travel miles uh, has on, on the squad. So who's unavailable for Manchester United? Do you know, Paul? Nobody knows for sure yet. Uh, Fellaini's apparently fit and going to play. There were some doubts about that. Um, Mourinho's talked about Valencia not necessarily being able to play, but I don't think he was talking about an injury. I think he's just talking about travel. And I can't help thinking that's a little bit of Mourinhoism. <laughs> um, uh, Luke Shaw left England camp early with a little uh, 
well, yeah, problem. And, and so if you're without Shaw and Valencia, that's really going to have a big impact on the game. Chris Sparling, is he fit? I don't know, but he's a, he, yeah, I think he's fit because he didn't play with, he didn't go with England, I don't think, and he was fit already as it was. Or maybe so, he did go with England, but I'm not sure he played. I didn't watch the England game because who's got time for that? Mm-hmm. Um, and Mkhitaryan, <laughs> really, unfortunately, um, that's a massive loss for this game. Mkhitaryan's a big doubt. Um, so that'd be, that'd be a real, that's really unfortunate. So if I had to put you on the spot and you had to give me an 11, with the players that you think will be there, who do you think will play? Uh, all right, I think he's going, obviously, De Gea. Um, I think he'll go Blint Bay. Um, I think, which is fascinating. Like, we could literally talk for another two hours about that, but I, sadly, it's really late at night here, so I can't do that. Um, uh, I think that Valencia will play, and I think that Shaw will play. That's my little hunch. Um, and then he's going to go for Lenny Pogba. Um, I would have said Mkhitaryan over Mata in this game, but uh, I guess Mata will play. Rooney, obviously, sadly, will play. Uh, Martial left, Ibrahimovic up front. Um, but, you know, like, Pogba and Zlatan are in the team, so I can't complain too much. I agree. Probably have a go. Double H, I'm not going to put you on the spot for the 11, but I will give you a question about questions. Do we have any questions? Um, yeah, so, question. Why isn't Antonio Conte regarded as one of the best Managers after what he did with Juventus and Italy from Chelsea boy tweets. He is, isn't he? I was just about to say, who doesn't think that? Yeah, he's got the Chelsea job. That's like, you only get that if you're well, considered an well, elite well, or you, you fleet the Champions League. But you said if he was I, fourth behind Klopp. I didn't say he was fourth. <laughs> I said he might be fourth behind Klopp. That's not an insult. Klopp's like, no, 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 you know, you can't Klopp's see, a, see, No, Klopp. There is no way in the hell Klopp is a better manager than Conte. As... Okay. No, 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 because I, mean, I think for me, I think, look, Klopp, I love Klopp, and I think what he did for Dortmund was amazing. But at the sense, he almost got Dortmund relegated. Yeah, you Mourinho also got Chelsea I was just about to say, like, Mourinho almost got Chelsea relegated. <laughs> he, he left them in 16. No, 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 no. That, that doesn't count. That was, that was a mutiny. The players mutinied against him, so that doesn't count. Klopp's um, thing doesn't count. That was, that was a really straight, anyway, but no, no. No, look, basically, my argument is the reason why I'm going to say Conte is a better manager than Pep than is Pep. because, let me explain. Let me explain. Yeah, allow a man to explain. Allow a man I just, to I just wanted to check that you weren't, you didn't mean to say Klopp, but are you seriously saying that Conte is a better let's manager than Pep? Pep? I'm looking let forward to this. I am excited about this. Let me explain. Okay, now, for me, let's look at Pep's career. Barcelona. Well done. You know, you revolutionized. You brought in a new tactic. You did have the best player in the world, Lionel Messi. Regardless, possibly one of the best club players of all time. Barnunek. You entered Barnunek after they had just won the treble. So now we now have it with Man City where, all right, now, let's now see what you can do. Even if you do have a lot of money within, it's not. it's, not, it's another big club. Let's see what you can do. Where were Juventus before um, Conte came in? Juventus were not... And as much of dire straits as Barcelona, as Barcelona were with Rijkaard, Juventus were coming seventh. <laughs> they were coming seventh and getting knocked out of the damn Europa League. Before Conte came in, completely changed the whole team. And the reason why Juventus are where they are is what Conte did. So Conte led the damn foundation for where Juve are right now. But the icing on the cake, the icing on the cake, literal scraps. He was within a few penalty kicks away from being in the in the Euro semi-final. What he did with Italy, Pep hasn't done with him with any team. Louis van Gaal got the Netherlands to third place in the World Cup. Like, it's, it's not 
Uh, and, and I don't mean to disrespect Louis van Gaal's legacy as a manager in the long run, because obviously at one point he was wonderful, but he was long past his prime when he did that. You know, it's a very specific skill to navigate a team through a tournament. And I think Conte is an excellent manager. And, and Juventus was seventh because of Calciopoli. They weren't seventh on their own merits. They were winning the league, then they got relegated for doing a bit noise. And uh, <laughs> then they were seventh because they were kind of on their way back up, which is not to negate what Conte did because it was amazing. And he built a fantastic team that's excellent to watch. And I think he is generally regarded as one of uh, one of the world's elite managers. But, but not better than but, Nah, it's not even, he's not even on, like, listen, I'm a United fan, so I'm not really supposed to say where I think Pep stands in the rankings of managers in the world, because obviously he's with the baddies now, so that's too bad. Um, but, like, Pep's a genuine football revolutionary. He's a, he's a proper, a properly remarkable thinker about the game. And I mean, his I mean, team. That's just, it's a football revolutionary, that's just taking it too far, man. Okay. <laughs> I mean, for me, like, okay, look, okay, this whole tic-tac-toe thing, I mean, look, I'm not a fan. Okay, I'm, I'm not a fan of the whole tiddly-wings tic-tac-toe thing. It's like, okay, fair enough, you can keep the ball for 70% of the thing. Okay, wow, all right. Can I be successful with Scornthorpe? Can he, okay, let me ask you this. Could Pep use tic-tac-toe tiddly-wings with that Italian team in Euro 2016 and get them as far as Conte did? I don't think he, he, he could. I don't think he could. Uh, but that's, so it's that, like, doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean he's an inferior manager because different managerial roles have very different requirements. Like, no, 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 true, true, but for me, I just feel that his philosophy, I think it's overrated. That's just me being very personal. And I do believe that Antonio Conte, because my pick is Chelsea for the title, and it still is. Because remember, man, we guys, we are very early. <laughs> Three games gone, guys. This is it. This this is not a sprint; it's a marathon. We are very early, very very early. So there is still some twists and turns to happen. Both Manchester teams have started very well indeed, very well indeed. But let's because remember, Pep has never had to deal with no winter break before, and that's a thing. Remember, Pep pushes pushes his players very hard. How is that going now going to affect when these guys don't have a winter break? So they don't have those two weeks just to, to chill out and relax. So you know there is there is some some there is still a long way to go before we now say, all right, let's see what this guy's gonna do. But Chelsea with Conte, I just think that's something, man. That's, 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 that's Next question, Double H. You got five minutes, Paul. You got five minutes. Yeah, I got five minutes. All right, cool. Yeah. Double H. One more question. Um, I mean, do you have a question, Yorin? Because I don't have any questions to send here. Well, we'll look it up, and if we don't have another question, we'll just cut it short. You know, look, man, it's been swell, man. Look, Manchester Derby, you know what? It's going to be popping up. It's going to be interesting. Um, I yeah. still believe you guys are completely deluded with saying Rooney was ever a world-class player. Yeah, oh, game game of the week predictions. There's only one game of the week here. Your prediction, your scoreline, Double H, for the Manchester Derby is... And don't tell me you don't have one. All right, I'm going... I'm rolling with 0-0. Zero, zero. No, 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 look, no, so, you know, Yeah, 0-0, zero, 0-0. Zero, zero, zero. Screw it. All right, zero, zero. I know, no. Paul? I predicted 3-2 to United on our podcast, and I don't see any good reason for changing that Ooh, yeah. <laughs> A goal fest. And yeah. I've, I've got a 1-1. So that's... I, feel like, I feel like both of your guys' predictions are significantly more likely to come to pass than mine, but I really hope mine does. I, yeah, I do too, uh, just as a, as a neutral observer. But also, well, I don't know if that's true, because Chelsea's still in my heart, so a draw would be fantastic, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just get you guys lose two points. But 
this is the Talk and Tech, this podcast. I guess we'll wrap it up there. Paul, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, too much, at UTD Rantcast. <laughs> um, you can find me on Bleacher Report four times a week, regular as clockwork. 1,200 words of analysis on all things Manchester United, which is hopefully uh, entertaining too. Um, I write a regular column for UMAXIT Football, and I also make a video show featuring puppets, the last episode of which featured me rapping a lot. It was a Stormzy parody. Um, you can find that on the UMAX at YouTube channel. And uh, and of course, uh, we do our podcast, The Rantcast, uh, which you can find at unitedrant.co.uk or check out iTunes and just search for United Rant and uh, you'll find us. That, well, that was professionally done, Paul. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yeah, we do this every Tuesday. You can subscribe on the iTunes store. You can subscribe. You can follow at SoundCloud. I don't think they have a subscribe option. Uh, you can email us at talkingtactics at mail.com. You can tweet at us at talkingtactics. Follow us individually at have hope hut and Daniel to look. You can look at the, I guess the, the graphic on the uh, on the art. Yeah, man, talking tactics pockets, man. Sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always football, mate. Indeed. See you guys next week. Peace. All right, guys. Cool. Podcast Network.